Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, welcome to Goblet of Wine, a drunken Harry Potter podcast. I'm Hannah. And I'm Charlie, and we're two 20-somethings rereading our favourite childhood book, but this time with added alcohol and cynicism. In today's episode, we are chatting about chapters eight and probably nine of Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. So grab a glass of your favourite overpriced, not particularly nice beverage, and uh, (laughs) listen to the absolutely horrifying Mm. really good that this podcast is hopefully probably ending this year because this is both our last years of being able to say we're two 20 somethings i need today to stop reminding me how (laughs) old i am uh because this morning i was horrified first of all i opened facebook which i never do never never open facebook for stars that's, that's what you went right you opened Story facebook immediately oh no (laughs) uh and i had i was invited to an event by miscellaneous man that i went to high school with which again mm, we all not a good start miscellaneous man uh i then opened it thinking surely he's like clicked the wrong charlie facebook like party invite or something no no it is my high school 10 year reunion and i immediately was like no that's weird that's not been 10 yes it has been it's 11. actually been 11 yeah i know since sixth pe- form 13 since i know school. people who went to one last year i didn't get invited to, to my own high school <laughs> did you not? well we found out it wasn't an official school one so we were all like because i'm but this st- isn't either oh yeah so i i'm friends with like a group of there's six of us who are still friends from school and we're still in a tight-knit friendship group with now our, all our partners and then we saw through other people's instagram there had been some sort of reunion at the school and we were like are you wow fucking kidding me yeah turns out the school didn't arrange it some people arranged it themselves so just invited their friends yeah i mean yeah this is an unofficial one and i low-key i was a bit like i'm actually flattered that i did get invited because i was such like just nobody at high school i was like thank well, you no, i mean obviously it's one of the popular girls who's like organizing it but now i'm having a crisis about whether or not i go because i'm like on the one hand can't picture anything else. no i'd literally rather eat glass i think yeah but then like some of my teachers are going oh that okay that's different if your teachers are going yeah, yeah. like there might be certain people that it's either nice to see or nice to flex on i think i'd go if my teachers were going yeah like, but i then would I'm like, like to see those nerds <laughs> do i'm like do i have enough to like flex about you know you have to do that like internal like no one wants 
I'm sorry. I don't believe anyone that says differently. No one wants to be the person that turns up and is like doing the worst there. Oh, God, yeah. Like, but, awful. I've already stalked everyone I went to secondary schools, like LinkedIn's to check what yeah. they're doing and check how I'm doing in the rankings of how people are doing. Yeah, exactly. Obviously. And then there's the thing that like, a lot of them are like, people that have stayed in the town that they like mm. that we and so all they've done is have children because there's nothing else to do so like i was thinking regardless they're gonna be like she's unwed and childless so her life is awful even though i don't want either of those things so like either way i can't win i don't know i'm having a bit of a crisis about what to go whether to go i mean you still your parents still live where you went to school so regardless you could tie it into see your, seeing your parents or I, I would now have to make a special trip which i'm not doing i so, mean you do a lot anyway to see your yeah i'm a very dedicated friend you know but, but yeah you you get to tie it in with your parents if you get to see your teachers that's really nice all this to say we've both just turned 29 so we would have to write a new intro if this podcast goes on beyond 2024 i mean the thing is it it will will get to me being 30 at this point i think we're now we will yeah where we are in the schedule is our last one will be the day before new year's now if we stick to the current schedule so, so we will see me cute, being 30 but that means it doesn't end with a christmas special unless we double bill at something and i'm really determined to end with a christmas special yeah we're gonna have to see how this year goes but yes one or two of us might probably be 30 when this ends what a great way change the intro for the last episode <laughs> Yeah. anyway hello we're both 29 Hi. how but, are okay, you to be fair i firmly believe that we get to take off the covid years oh yeah so i was like kind of mentally minus two from my age i see that although i was really panicking about 30 pretty much till i hit 29 now i feel really chill about it I've, i'm like how exciting 30 is so cool 30 is cool i've never ever ever understood the whole anti-30 thing at all i don't get it and then i saw something the other I day <laughs> that was like if you didn't know how old you are how old would you think you are based on looks or personality everything just if you like got bonked on the head couldn't remember anything well couldn't remember how old you were but re remembered everything else and i was really thinking about it and i was like i reckon i think that i'm 34. i really really don't know because in london it feels one age but when i go home to like my hometown it feels another age so i'm really not sure I see but that i feel like means that you're basing it too much on like external things like it's your like internal in my internal self i am 19 forever you are not 19 <laughs> forever like, said the cortinas <laughs> yeah but like because i do get the thing where i think that i'm i think that i'm 17 and i'm 22 those are like the ages that my oh, no, brain i'm so stuck to. at 19 yeah. but i don't actually think that i am those ages and that i suit them it's just kind of where my brain yeah. is a bit stuck but if i actually had to like look at my life my like interests everything you're 97 no i think i'm 34 <laughs> don't know why i've picked 34 but okay. it just feels right I was highly complimented. Can't tell if she was sucking up to me when the new intern at work, she was saying what university she just graduated from. And I was like, yeah, cool. I visited that when in my first year, my ex-boyfriend went to that uni. And she was like, oh, sorry, bad memories. And I was like, hmm, don't worry. It was over a decade ago. And she kind of went, and I was like, yeah, it's over a decade ago, obviously. And she was like, you, you, 
you're 29? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm turning 29 in a few days. She was like, wow, I thought you were like 24. And I was like, I can't tell if that means you think I look young or I'm acting really immature at work. Like on one hand, I'm like, thank you. On the other hand, I'm like, I want you to think I'm like a boss ass 35 year old and I've actually, you know, I'm only, yeah. yeah. So basically it was both an insult and a compliment yeah. wrapped into one. <laughs> I only ever got at work people thinking I was older than I was. And I was like, I can't tell if this is a comment on how I'm aging or if it's because I'm doing well in my career. Yeah, literally any way it comes at you <laughs> is both an insult and a compliment. I'm like, thank yeah. you. I think that looking older than you are can only ever be a good thing for your career. Yes. To the point where when I've gone in for job interviews in the past for jobs that I don't think I'm qualified for, I will intentionally do my makeup badly. Like I will cake concealer under my eyes to make myself look older. A little career tip for you. Yeah, no, I I agree. I want people to think like, wow, she's young to have that. All of this is stupid and rooted in like capitalistic nonsense of having to hit certain targets by certain points. But yeah, sometimes people will think you are too young for a job, even though you're very qualified for exactly. it. Exactly. So yeah, I always try and look older in interviews. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> we, sometimes. How are you? Apart from, you know, being 29, the existential crisis of your late 20s. <laughs> well, then after the horrifying... <laughs> horrifying news that Facebook you in fact invite. left school 10 years ago. Yeah. Uh, Todd then picked a fight with a fox. He's fine. He somehow won, despite the fact I've seen this boy lose multiple fights with spiders. He somehow beat the shit out of this fox, which meant that I had to like run out and it had been raining and I don't have a lawn right now. So it was just pure mud. I was just in my socks in the mud, like screaming to the fox like, fuck up, fuck up, Todd come here, Todd come here. I'm pretty sure all the neighbours were like, she's finally had a meltdown. <laughs> We've been waiting for this for yeah. so long. Uh, how are you? I'm good. I had a stressful week at work. I started having chest pains through the stress, but it's fine. They've faded now. Yeah, so I think that's good and fine and healthy. So... Yeah, mostly good. Do you want to know the really lame thing I did? <laughs> so, you know, I've been tabbing this book with my points. Oh, no. The tabs I was using, I had bought like pastel ones. Bullshit. Pastel ones don't show up because they're so thin. You can't see the color. Oh, and I have a color coded system. So I bought new tabs and retabbed it all. Had a really I'm like, busy, I'm stressful so week. <laughs> busy. I've retabbed a book. You were like having chest pains about retabbing the book. <laughs> Yes. No. <laughs> but, yeah, I retabbed the book if you're wondering. Nice. But now you can actually see the color coding I've done. So she's beautiful. It's very hot and sexy. It's very hot and sexy. And I'm excited to record. Yeah. Great. So we should do that. Should we do what we're drinking first before the ice melts? <laughs> yes. Charlie, what are we drinking today? <laughs> we are drinking. As I the ice has melted. Yeah. As I had to specify when asking for it. The, the cheapest, cheapest champagne, champagne, please. And we added ice to it. Because <laughs> it wasn't cold enough. Cheers. I think that's nicer than champagne I've had before. Probably because two ice cubes have melted into it. Yeah, I just do think I prefer Prosecco. I, I agree with what we were saying earlier. I haven't tried champagne. I say I prefer Prosecco, but I drink Prosecco a lot more regularly. I only drink champagne once a year. Like, so it might just be being used to it. Yeah, being used to it. So yeah. we're drinking champagne because we're reading the wedding chapter. We decided we were going to do this in the pub and then had to search for champagne in small local shops. Realise it's not kept in the refrigerated section because why the fuck would it be? It's kept behind the tables. Yeah. <laughs> and then there was two and one of them was like on offer for 22 and one of them was like 35 or something. And I went up and I was like, hello. Hello. 
You can see this on a story, by the way, if we archive it. Or you can time travel. I was like, hello, can I have the £22 champagne, please? And then she went and started to grab the more expensive one. And, and I was like, like, no, no, no cheaper one. <laughs> Which wasn't as bad as last time. You know, when I tried to buy Amaretto and the guy like had no idea what it was. Oh my God. To... It, it was... was like some sort of mime show. You were like, three I mean, like, to the left. Further along. Two down. And then he for ages was just on the one next to it. And I'm like, no literally look to the like poor bloke bless him but i was like i also think and this is no offense to him but if you were it's not that you should automatically know all the bottles if you work in a corner shop but there's a lot of times in a corner shop when no one's in there i would just be turning around and mm. kind of documenting the names of the bottles in my mind and not even to be good at my job i'd just be bored and wanting to read the labels well exactly that's what i'm saying like if no one was in the shop i'd just yeah. be reading all the labels but like it just because i'm so sure socially anxious that kind of situation makes me feel like i'm I being would, an yeah. asshole and i'm doing something wrong socially and i'm like no hurry along yeah Anyway. Um, so yeah this embarrassing thing was picking up champagne but i'm i'm ex i also can't tell the difference between like this is clearly one of the cheapest champagnes you can get hold of can i tell the difference between this and expensive champagne god I no i'll say i'm pretty sure i've never even had expensive no this is where the only champagnes i've drunk i think they count as like quite expensive there's obviously a lot more expensive ones so i was saying to you earlier the only time i drink champagne is at christmas and the only champagne we have a drink is my dad his job used to be setting up conferences for other much bigger businesses and one of the like perks of that was he'd get christmas hampers from all these businesses so we would then, then there'd be champagne in these hampers we never used to open them apart from at christmas so it'd be like the cheapest one would be fortnum and mason champagne mm. so like that's the champagne I'm used to drinking once a year. <laughs> My favourite thing still was on holiday and afterwards when I was like, oh, yeah, so like, did she get along with Hannah's dad? And my dad was like, yep, I know exactly what he does for work. Like, <laughs> like, like he was proud of himself. I have worked out his job precisely. <laughs> but it's because like, one, my dad like kind of vaguely works on events and also because your dad was like doing events, but like specifically like industry conference kind of thing. Wasn't industry it? conference and specifically, although he worked wider, his niche was in medical conferences. Because yeah. my, my dad for his work goes for a lot of like conferences and then also his industry has a lot of overlap with medical stuff. So it's like he was being like, yep, I have been to conferences. I know the medical. <laughs> he was so proud of himself. Yeah, it, it was very cute when they met. It was just like me watching them like talk to each I other. really was worried they were gonna like brush shoulders and just like no one. we now share a dad well, I am first such met a... to like sh compare photos like, to be this like is my dad exactly we, do they, we have the same childhood yeah <laughs> um anyway let's do some other top of the episode stuff we've only got a couple of patrons because we're recording quite close together the last few episodes did I open this in advance no uh you zone <laughs> <laughs> This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. again <laughs> it was gonna be quite funny <laughs> oh i'm sad i fucked it up no that's still really funny a ules zone <laughs> size thank you to yells uh, and a sinister <laughs> sinister size thank you to sarah thank you both so much for joining the patron a note on the patron actually as we're drinking champagne which we chose in this episode 
we have cleared the backlog of Patreon alcohols. I know Woo! any of you who picked them knew that you were waiting like six months. You oh, there is one more. There's one more. There's one more. I've messaged you. You know who you are. I've been like, <laughs> you've requested something very specific. I need to go across London to a shop. I will do it, but I just need to do that. Time. So if you would like to sponsor an alcohol for this season it now might be your time. last chance now is the time to do it and it might be your last chance as we've said multiple times we're shortening this season slightly so we'll be recording for the rest of 2024 but yeah if you want to sponsor an alcohol then do it, do it now and there's not much backlog or no backlog and yeah i will go to lengths i have gone to quite a few lengths to find different alcohols at this stage yeah i've been to embarrassing shops i've ordered from weird websites I'm still shocked that out of everything we managed to find Clamato juice in the big Sainsbury's near my house. <laughs> it's because we didn't want to. I know. It just kind of like assaulted us on the shelves. I was yeah. like, no, fuck, yeah. it's here. But yeah, if you want to, that's an option available to you. Woo! And we haven't cleared that backlog in two years. So I'm so impressed with us. Okay, chapter eight, the wedding, she asks. A note on these chapters. We were saying earlier, and then I was like, we need to stop having this discussion because it's a podcast discussion. Yeah, we were accidentally podcasting. <laughs> IRL. It just, it's again how we started this podcast oh. is we go to the pub and just start the podcast. What's going to be weird when, like, when we're done is when we get to just socially discuss Harry Potter again without microphones in our faces. Bizarre. We'll we'll keep like looking forward. <laughs> <laughs> we will. Like, how do you think well, this Sometimes we like break out and have conversations that we know are gonna edit out. And it's yeah. really funny because whenever we do, we can be talking about the most inappropriate personal shit that is never gonna go in. And we're still like, <laughs> like it's like the most pretentious thing. <laughs> always performing. Anyway, we were saying we love this run of chapters. I'm not quite sure oh. when the run's gonna end. I can't quite remember. Yeah. But this these next three, and I know the one immediately after that, I just adore them and we were both like normally when we make notes it's not that we don't want to read the books obviously but making notes is quite labor intensive and can take quite like a lot longer than just reading a chapter mm. so we normally finish a chapter and i want to take a break i don't want to do another one immediately we were both saying to each other i want to do the next one immediately because i want to read the next chapter yeah. like that quite rarely happens and i think this run of chapters is just the perfect level of like plot versus fun and like yeah. i don't know it's just really good i remembered it like probably about half 10 last night i was like i'm not only have i not done the chapters which is standard practice i hadn't even thought about the fact that i had to do the chapters and then like half 10 last night i was like shit so i did one of them and then finished it at like 20 to midnight so i had to go to bed but i was like i just want to keep going yeah like it i was loving it which i feel like Regardless of the podcast, I rarely do that with Harry Potter anymore because I've read it so much. Yeah, I think we were both also saying, like, I haven't read book seven in a lot. Because of the podcast, any books we haven't done, I intentionally haven't, like, read for fun in a long time. Like, I might stick the audiobook on, but I try to only do that with books we've already covered because I want to kind of still have that, not element of surprise, we know everything that's going to happen, but it feel a bit fresh. Yeah. So, yeah, it's the fact that I haven't read them in a while. They're very good chapters and i think it's also the fact that a lot of people don't like book seven and i'm just kind of like what this is good this is really good a big book seven but yeah great chapter great chapter the wedding the wedding so harry ron fred and george are showing people into the marquee they've mm. been given a job and they are bitching about yeah, it. yeah harry is disguised as cousin barney who apparently is homeschooled because no, the, we the presence of extra Weasley cousins. I'm like, no, this doesn't make any sense. A bit later on, when Uncle that's drunk and clearly trying to work out like if Barney's his kid. 
<laughs> Presumably then Barney is actually like a bit older, like 19 or something. Like, oh, no. I don't know. The thing that annoyed me about this is it says Harry had taken a large dose of polyjuice potion. Oh. Shut up. You can't spend six books going polyjuice potion has to be taken on the hour every hour and literally making it a plot point of book four that moody was always swigging from a hip flask yep. to then say that harry took a large dose and never mentioning that he has to sneak off every hour in this wedding to or top up the potion surely doesn't even he's at a wedding he's gonna be drinking anyway surely he could just have a glass of potion. yeah so this is just really pisses me off that she put this in here because it's implying that the large dose is going to last throughout the wedding. No, it isn't. He has to top it up every... Don't be stupid, please. Yeah. You've pissed me off. Um, also, the hair was stolen by a summoning charm. I just don't feel that hair that is attached to your head should be summonable. Like, that's in my scalp. Thank you. Yeah. Unless it was hair that had fallen onto his clothes. Yeah. <laughs> and also, don't you have to be specific? Like, Axio the hair from that ginger muggle, please. Yeah. Anyway, so they're doing seating plans because apparently they've given them individual seating plans rather than doing what most weddings do and having a big seating chart. I don't know. I don't know the reason. Mm -hmm. So these four idiots are showing people to their seats and they're all complaining because it's hot and it's described really you know at the end of book six harry said something about how he was looking forward to the wedding because it was one more shining golden day with Hermione. i love the way this day is written with like the bees were hovering lazily over the grass and when the sides get taken off the tent it, it describes like the fields rolling away from them i'm like oh, it's so beautiful and summery yeah. before the horribleness yeah fred Which says the most heartbreaking line he's like complaining about the heat and he says when i get married fine he does it's fine it's fine he does everything's fine he, he's, he's fine he does it's fine it's fine he gets married everything's fine mm -hmm. thanks for that joe yep we meet xenophilius love good uh as i've written it xeno and then love good as in l u v g u d good good use of the english language. english language also we discover that wizards wear cravats i mean it is a wedding i just want to know how dress robes work yeah, she never goes to any length to actually... Sorry, I'm just Because really even Luna says about her dad, I told him everyone would be in dress robes, but he's in normal robes. I'm like, what yeah. does that mean? I don't, I don't know because they never properly explain dress robes and I just can't picture it. No, because and I can't picture how a cravat works with it. Because surely like a robe is like a dress kind of anyway, you know? Like, is it just extra flouncy with a cravat? And if there's a cravat on dress robes, does that imply they're wearing ties with robes? I don't think it does, but then I think she got influenced by the actual films. Maybe. Um, but yeah, Zeno's here and so is Luna, who can tell it's Harry based on his expression, which is the sickest burn ever. It is. How gormless does Harry look all the time? Well, this is the thing. So I, I, I like to think Harry's a dumbass, that he was doing something to make it very obvious that it was Harry. So I started to brainstorm. Sure. Things that Harry very likely would be doing to just massively give away that it's Harry. <laughs> uh, my list was, and you can add to it if you have any ideas, holding his broom. Very specifically Harry broom. That got smashed. He doesn't have it anymore. He made sure. Pavache. Messing with his hair. Like yes, James. I can see that. This one is true. Standing with Ron. <laughs> Ron has no other friends. The last one I had was... Wearing a name tag. I want to add to that rubbing his scar, even though it doesn't exist. <laughs> but like literally like. Oh, I know. Pushing up glasses that aren't there. Which sometimes I do. Sometimes if I've worn glasses for a few days, then when I don't wear them, kind of do that. And I'm not, I don't have glasses on. <laughs> Another one. 
introducing himself as Harry. <laughs> Hi, I'm Harry. Barney. Barney is such a fake name. <laughs> right? No one's called Barney. It also, the way it like kind of rhymes with Harry, like, because they clearly were like, someone's going to yell Barney and Harry's going to be like, <laughs> yeah, because then Muriel gets confused at one point and calls him Barry. And I'm like, stop it. This is ridiculous. Oh, so Luna is amazing. Let know, by the way, yeah. what you think Harry was doing. Yeah, what's Harry doing? Luna's amazing and wearing bright yellow robes with a big sunflower in her oh, hair. Like goals. My book, I, I love this because she explains that her dad believes that you should wear sun colours to weddings for luck. Aww. I love this. I just think that this is so cute. This is a kind of like world building lore that I love. Yep. Just these little nuggets. However, it's like really written in a way where you can tell that jk rowling detests anyone different anyone alternative like the way that zeno and luna are like constantly talked about with their like alternative beliefs and really looked down on and it it will never not be wild to me because i'm like it's it's a magical world and they're looked down upon for believing in magical like it makes yeah. no sense and i understand that just because there's some magical creatures doesn't mean they all exist but it's just such a, like a weird line to take and just everything that's written about them you can just really be like you can tell that jk rowling just hates anyone anyone different anyone a bit hippie anyone with alternative beliefs that don't line up with her i, I kind of disagree because i think L luna especially maybe with xenophilius but luna especially is like very i don't know i don't i do feel like she comes across quite loved in the text especially towards the end like i do feel the love the way she's written on this page like the way she gets up and danced on her own i don't view it as kind of like derogatory i view it as kind of like god this girl actually like knows what she wants to do by yeah. herself and is i think independent. that she likes the character luna but i think whenever her whenever her beliefs or like her father's beliefs yeah. and like lifestyle are talked about it's always in like a really looked down upon way like this chapter kind of has a lot of i mean obviously we get that anti-zeno stuff because of the symbol mm. that he's wearing but yeah no, I just feel like there's an undertone of they believe in weird stuff, not that not the acceptable not weird the acceptable stuff. stuff. Yeah, I do love that Ron phrases it as later in the chapter. I love Luna; she's such good value. I'm like, I kind of love that way yeah. to describe someone because you do have some people who who you only see at like big events who are like, yeah, they just add to this kind of party vibe. Like, good for you, good yeah. for you. So then they're carrying on escorting guests in, and Harry for the first time meets Auntie muriel who we have heard of before and finally we see her she's telling ronald off for his hair being too long which i didn't know ron had long hair so that's fun we learn and i only know this from fanatical fix that Ginny's full name is ginevra yeah this was never been revealed in all the books so everyone assumed before this in fan fiction it was i can't remember what people assumed it was i don't know there's something that people assumed and it is not that it is Ginevra. I kind of, I mean, obviously Muriel's a cow, but I kind of love really old people being exceptionally rude because they can. Yeah. Like, I like the trope. I don't like it in real life, but I like the trope. It was my nana. <laughs> Whenever, because I used to dye my hair loads of, like, alternative colours, whenever I would turn up at their house with it not a weird colour, she'd be like, your hair looks so much better. It's just, it's just the way grandparents are. I, I would sometimes get... Did you cut that yourself? Xenophilia is called an omelette, which, you know, it's quite harmless, I guess, if you're wearing yellow. Yep. She doesn't know who her own nephew is as well. This is our cousin Barney. Another Weasley? You breed like gnomes? <laughs> 
brilliant. Yeah, there's also a really great bit of banter from this when they start to say that they wish that their uncle was still here instead. Oh my God, this bit actually made me laugh out yeah. loud. And so telling stories about how he would pull flowers out of his ass. And I really like this moment because it's such like great banter from them. I think I can't even, I think it's the film it always sticks in my head those moments when they laugh at something that's just not funny yeah whereas they could have put this in yeah which is actually I, hilarious this actually shows and i love that fred and george are in on the convo as well because i think that it shows them getting older and yeah. that as you get older those like even couple of year age gap becomes like it feels like it's less and less yeah and yeah the fact that it really feels like great authentic authentic banter that you would have with friends and family at a family wedding as well as just really reinforcing what like lovely nice time they're having and also because it's such the juxtaposition of the end of the chapter of this nice moment of levity and we get a little bit of vindication for ron who friend george are telling this story and ron pipes up with never married for some reason hermione says you amaze me they were all laughing so much that they didn't notice crumb approaching and i'm like good for ron finally for not even realizing crumb is there he crumb it's it's what harry described of when he wanted cho to see him when he's just made a group of cool people laugh that has finally happened for ron is he's made hermione laugh and then crumb has to appear and be like you look beautiful it's like yes ron go on we also have a mention which like feels kind of full circle of Hermione's hair being straight again, which annoys me because it's like Hermione actually looked nice because her hair's straight. Because you know anyone with hair is ugly. The same way it's always, it's always like the nineties makeover. They straighten the hair and take the glasses off the girl, and suddenly she's, she's beautiful. beautiful. Like J.K. Rowling for that, but yeah, Hermione's hair straight again, like the Yule ball, and then boom, boom, crumb. To crumb. We also get confirmation that it is in the book it isn't just in the film this is a little bit earlier when Hermione runs up Ron blinks rapidly and says you look great and Hermione says always the tone of surprise cute cute it is cute it's quite funny like seeing Ron get better at things I know, like this. this chapter is really good but so many of them just really make me laugh that it it took reading a book for Ron to be like I should be nice give compliments, compliments comfort her like ron <laughs> you needed a book i i think we underestimate how bad teenage boys are because how bad we as a we as a patriarchal society make them yeah oh, just i know but they don't human i know but he's doing so well i mean he doesn't like it when crumb shows up but you know what fine so they all go into the marquee and ron's like crumbs here what's he doing here? he's got a stupid little beard i hate him <laughs> and then we get the description of the wedding mr and mrs weasley come in bill and charlie stand up and then fleur arrives and today her beauty is radiating beauty on everyone else sure the a celebrant is the same celebrant at Dumbledore's funeral because wizards only have one celebrant, which kind of makes sense. There's not many yeah. of them. Why would you have more than one? Muriel says that Ginny's dress is far too low cut and Ginny turns around and winks at Harry and Harry then blacks out for the rest of the wedding. <laughs> just imagining afternoons spent alone with Ginny. I'm like, cool. Okay, this is just a chapter of Harry thinking about Ginny's tits. Cool. He's definitely got a hard on under his dress. Literally. I'm like, Harry. <laughs> How low cut is Ginny? I imagine because they're wizards, it's like up to here, and it's like it's scandalously low. Gosh. Then they get married, and then I declare you bonded for life. Cute. Wizard weddings go well quick as well because they can use magic. It's just like right, get up, 
dance floors here. Which a wedding's good, I've been I to hate are the hour and a half in between the wedding and the dance bit. I'm like, oh my God, the mingling. I'm so tired. Yeah. I just, I've been to weddings before. Like some weddings do it well, but some of them, but they yeah. just don't plan for the time. Well, no, they do. They do in the fact that it's when they have to take their photographs, but yeah, they don't plan things for the guests yeah, to do. Yeah, no, and that's I'm what like... you've been at ones where you've literally just been kind of stood there, like essentially like in the lobby, just like, I've realized now I'm an adult. That's the time I have to mainline coffee. Weddings are exhausting mm. and you start drinking so early. Normally at four o'clock, I hit such a wall. So now I've started <laughs> at the last wedding I was at, I was mainlining a coffee that still isn't working. I've got Pro Plus in my bag. And then all of my friends are like, oh, can I have one? So I was handing around Pro Plus. And at one point the bride's family walked past like, what the fuck are you doing? I was like, it's caffeine tablet. I, I am handing out caffeine tablets. <laughs> This actually literally reminds me of one time at a family wedding. I think it was one of my cousin's weddings. And it was like awkward in between bit. But they basically had like, as we were leaving from the the bit when they had the ceremony. I'm so bad at words. They had like either like you could have like coffee or there was obviously like more like alcoholic drinks. And my cousin Tom, who's like in his 30s, like went and like took a coffee. And my mum, who was already tipsy at this time, went, Pussy. No, he's smart. That's how you carry on drinking, Polly. You gotta pace yourself at weddings. Yeah, Mum also fell asleep yeah, at see? the same weddings. See, Polly, you gotta pace yourself. Polly does is not familiar with the concept of pacing. It's herself. all in the mind, Polly. You gotta think through your decisions. Dear. So the the dance floor bit kind of starts and the alcohol starts flowing. Hermione's like, we have to go and congratulate them. And Ron's like, no, no, we'll have time in a minute. Grabs three butter beers. And we get the great bit of British slang. Hermione, cop hold, let's grab a table. I haven't heard anyone say cop hold in years. Yeah. Like, And Ron's not Northern. <laughs> cop hold. If for anyone non-British, it basically means what it says in the text. It's like, grab this, let's go. So they sit down with Luna and they're kind of all chatting. Luna goes up and dances on her own and Crumb drops into the empty seat and starts asking who the man in yellow is. And Ron, who is clearly wants to get Hermione out of this situation, he's like, he's a friend. He's the father of a friend of ours. Come and dance. And yep. like whisks Hermione out of that situation. I love this. It's, again, Ron's like progression that he's very suddenly had. It's almost like JK Rowling was like, shit, there's one book left and Ron's detestable right now. But the fact that like rather than like being bitter and brooding, starting an argument, something like that, he's actually just like taking them both out of the situation. Yeah. Like chef's kiss. And also doing something Hermione probably wants to do, which is dance. Yeah. Like, come on. And well also, done. Like, okay, yes, consent is important, but really nice that he doesn't ask her. He he tells her. It's a bit that's sexy, hot. Isn't it? Is it that's nice? that's really wrong. In the right context, that's hot. And also, they don't stay for one dance. They are gone for like over an hour of the text. Like mm -hmm. Ron. Well done. Good yeah. for you. I'd love to know what they talked about. I used to, when when this book like first ended, I used to read fan fiction that was like filling in the this gap of what they were talking about. Oh, you sad fuck. I am <laughs> really lame. That's fine. I'll admit to my lameness. It's I mean, I was on the Draco slash Hermione fix, so. Crumb says, are they together now? So clearly remembers who Ron is. And Harry, in finally a moment of good wingmanship, says, sort of. Well <laughs> done, Harry. Like, fine. Like, good. You are being a good friend. It's so funny to me that they finally start to get together now and then have to spend like six months in a tent with Harry. <laughs> like, 
poor the sexual tension well yeah but then the sexual tension gets ruined by the fucking yeah, lock which yeah. is probably good because otherwise like hermione would have been like noshing ron off <laughs> like <laughs> on the bottom use the word noshing you know harry would be trying to sleep the bunk beds would start <laughs> to be fair they've got a month in grimmauld place before they get the locket like and harry is sleeping in sirius's bedroom we we don't know what hermione and ron were doing or where they were at least do you think i don't know because the thing i don't think so i think they're both so embarrassed of (sighs) each other i I think they're so scared to ruin their friendship and their friendship with harry um yeah like the only reason i say no is because then like their eventual kiss was like such a moment as it should be and I really don't want to think about the idea of them like giving each other handies, but without kissing. <laughs> I was thinking we've got to remember how much bigger deal a kiss is when you're like 17 and how long it takes you sometimes to get to that stage. So yeah, they probably were just like lying next to each other at Grimmel Place like, I love you. So Crumb and Harry start to have a chat and Crumb is clearly really, really pressed off, pissed off with Xenophilius. And Harry gets out of him that Xenophilius is wearing a necklace that Harry spotted earlier with a strange triangular eye shape. And Crumb says this is Grindelwald's sign. Harry has obviously heard of Grindelwald. He knows that he's a dark wizard before Voldemort's time that Dumbledore defeated, but he never knew he had a sign. And Crumb explains that Grindelwald's was... you, you Like, you wouldn't have heard of it because Grindelwald was only really big in, in mainland Europe, but he was like Voldemort here. He killed... We learn that he killed Crumb's grandfather, who was like murdered by grindelwald and this is his symbol so this is giving full-on swastika vibes right now like we are fully yeah. going into the archetype yeah like pulling things from world war Two, like using and it also gives swastika vibes in the way that the swastika wasn't invented by the nazis they repurposed a symbol yeah. of peace for their own ends and actually that's the same with this eye grindelwald ended up stealing a symbol from something else to use for his own I mean, Crumb doesn't know this because it's one of these things where it's now so long ago that he, people don't know that the symbol originally came from something else. But essentially, Grimble, Grindelwald, Grimblewald, <laughs> Grindelwald used to carve this symbol into like the walls of Durmstrang. So Crumb obviously finds this extremely offensive, and Harry is trying to explain that Xenophilius probably doesn't know what it is. And Harry annoys me here because he does such a bad job. And oh, he's terrible. He says inside his own head he thinks he's doing a bad job of this. And like, it, you're doing a terrible job of this. And it's a thing that I feel like is done quite often in books when it's like the author doesn't want to do the explanation because it's essentially repeating what the audience already knows, yeah. which I do understand. But in occasions like this, it really annoys me because I'm like, it takes a sentence yeah, to just be like, and no one's going to get bored from one sentence of Harry just being like, they're quite eccentric people that believe in a lot of things that aren't accurate. Yeah. You know, like, just say that. Like, instead, he's like, he probably thinks that it's part of a blah, blah, blah. Harry! Crumb's not going to understand that. Explain yourself. And also, Crumb's first language is in English. Don't yeah. say shit. He's not going to understand. Crumb is, like, annoyed and pulls his wand out his pocket and starts, like, tapping it on his leg. And Harry, in a moment of, again, clarity that I don't think Harry Potter is capable of and I don't think most humans are capable of, 
realizes he's heard the name Gregorovich before because it's Crumb's wand maker. Yeah, I do. On the, I like that Crumb is just talking to a randomer, and like, yeah, he sat down because he knew Ron and Hermione. But I like that he's just like, yeah, I'm a really famous wizard, but I'm just going to like talk to this random Good ginger for him. lad. Good for him. Good for him. I also love that he's such a himbo that if he thought about this for more than a second, he could be like, that's Harry Potter. It's also Who else a would bit it be? weird. He hasn't said to Hermione, where's Harry? Like, I think he just is that much of a himbo that he just... Because, no but yeah, if he thought about it for a second, he'd be like, Harry Potter's not here. That's a random third wheel. Like, do the math. That's the thing. I think a hell of a lot of these wedding guests can work out that's Harry Potter. Obviously. <laughs> like so many of them like, well, I suppose Ron and Hermione then disappear for over an hour. So at that point it's harder. Yeah. But like at the beginning when they're all getting drinks, I'm like, that's pretty obvious yeah. it's Harry. But it, it becomes especially more obvious when he says about his wand being made by blah, blah, blah. And he's like, how did you know that? It's like, crumb. Take two seconds. Crumb who knows? Know. Who knows that information that would probably be at this wedding in disguise hanging out with Ron Hunt. Sorry, I just went to like almost <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Harry manages to come up with a lie. He's like, I read it in a fan magazine. So now Harry seems like a freak. <laughs> seems like like massive fan. Him. And then Harry's like, so where's a, where is a Grigorovich these days? <laughs> like, what a question. <laughs> What's he up to? Grigorovich <sighs> has retired. So Harry's like, Hmm, okay. I know that Voldemort has kidnapped Ollivander and now I know he's on the hunt for Grigorovich, so something's going on with the wands. Okay, cool. Definitely like I could tell in these few chapters it's the the pace is a lot faster. Yeah, it's like, these books are pacey. When you think back to like Philosopher's Stone, how long it took Harry to put together the I'm so flamel. flamel. Like took the entire book to work that out and now we're like a couple of chapters in and he's like Grigorovich yeah. and then later on he's like Ray B like Yeah, yeah. He's he's got smarter we need to move this plot along at a speed but crumb then decides to be a horny himbo and starts saying Love. that girl is very nice looking pointing at Ginny. ask if she's a relative also, because crumb loves young girls he's everyone's this went through my favorite mind. I'm like, she's 16 you are now canonically 18 19 20 at least 21 yeah like everyone's we said before i choose to just down crumb in age because yeah. of him uh, yeah he's harmless but he finds Ginny hot harry says harry says yeah no she's seeing someone really big bloke jealous time <laughs> like, oh, I'm harry. Harry. <laughs> this is this absolutely is like one of the most harry sender big bloke jealous type yeah <laughs> it's so british as well like big, big, you're not gonna want to mess with him thing is okay maybe i just like d don't really believe in monogamy but if I was Harry and I'm like a massive Quidditch fan, knowing that Ginny, my ex, is a massive Quidditch fan, I would be like, go for it, honestly. <laughs> Even if I was still He's with in them. in love with her. I don't care. I don't see monogamy in that way. Like if I was a massive fan of someone and my partner was, even if like we were still together, like if Harry and Ginny were still together, I'd be like, free pass, absolutely go for it. I would actually want to like fuck someone that's fucked someone I'm a fan of. Like, you know what I mean? I'd be like, yeah, I can pull the same person that like blah, blah, blah. And, you I, know? See, I see it from that perspective, but I get it from Harry's perspective. He's planning on leaving tomorrow and probably dying and never seeing Ginny again. So maybe he doesn't want yeah, the last so memory. Yeah, so let her get sexually satisfied because I bet Harry never satisfied her. Well, he's thinking of her tits a lot at this wedding. So 
God, this chapter's horny. Uh, Crumb then says, the most brilliant line. What is the point of being an international Quidditch player if oh. all of the good-looking girls are taken? Mate, you Chef's are kiss. at this wedding with Vila cousins. Like, also, props to Hermione and Ginny because there are Vila cousins Ooh. at this wedding and Crumb's like, those two. They're probably... <laughs> To be fair, Hermione's like 18 in two months, so she's bordering. Uh, she's the clock's bordering. ticking. The clock's ticking on her. Oh my God. Love this from Crumb. Oh, Crumb. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, everyone's favourite. Like, not only himbo, but I'm just like, yeah, no, I'm sorry. Let him be obnoxious. Like, Thank I don't care. Him. If you're a hot, famous, like, teenager slash now young adult, you're gonna be obnoxious. Let him be obnoxious. Also, I guess good for him for checking if the girls are taken before he tries it on. He's not. <laughs> Maybe he should also check if they're legal. legal. <laughs> he's not so obnoxious. He's like, I'm gonna try to steal that girl. Yeah. Oh, oh crap. But how he should let him. Yeah, so I just went downstairs to get more champagne. Champagne. <laughs> Todd has quite impressively stood on the kitchen counter, gone down like this to the cubby hole where his food is kept. Mm pulled out the like basket that they're in gone through got a packet of dreamies <laughs> and two of those you know those cat food oh, stick, stick things. things and then dragged them into the hallway <laughs> split open the packaging and had himself a feast i did hear noises earlier i did and i was like is that the wind no it's Todd. So Harry is then a lonely, lonely person who realizes that if Ron and Hermione get together and Ginny is dancing with another man, he literally has no one to talk to because he's never made another friend in his life. <laughs> he's literally just like standing at the edge of the crowd like, some grab a sandwich and just kind of look around. Uh, Ginny's dancing with Lee Jordan. He feels jealous. Ron and Hermione, he's like, I want to go friend Ron. He's in the middle of the floor with Hermione and they look happy. I guess I won't interrupt them. Yes, give your friends five minutes off from you telling them updates about Voldemort. God's sake. <laughs> Honestly, I wouldn't put it past Harry to like pretend that his scar's hurting. <laughs> oh no. Ron Hermione. Oh, someone's going to have to give me a attention. Uh, Fred and George have run off with some Vila cousins into the darkness of the garden. Good for them. Good for them. This is like classic because I really, I know we don't get like any specific description of them in terms of being attractive or not but i very much picture them the same level of attractiveness as they are in the film where like the yeah. phelps twins like they're fine they they're not ugly looking they're blokes. not like you know really like fit or whatever they're perfectly bang average yeah. but the fact that they consistently through the films despite never being specified to be really attractive or anything pull is just a testimony to how being funny, funny makes you hotter than All being Victor Crumb. women want is funny. <laughs> yes. Uh, Charlie, not you, in classic Charlie fashion is I in the corner. champagne on my boob. Uh, well, that's what Charlie is doing with Hagrid right now. He's wanked in a corner singing <laughs> Odo the Hero. You were going to say these. Well. Wanking with Hagrid. No, he's wanked <laughs> in the corner with Hagrid. I love Charlie and Hagrid's friendship. And I also love Charlie as just he's drawn as the archetypal extremely cool unmarried like uncle that you have just like god that guy's cool and drunk all the time yeah he's gonna be the new guy pulling flowers out his asshole in a few years yep. as you said there's an uncle who thinks that harry might be his son finally oh. he sees a man with white hair who he realizes just from a photo that he saw in the daily prophet which i'm impressed that i can't recognize people from photos to real life i can't recognize like just and anyone I'm ever entirely like face blind yeah like to the point where i'm like genuinely it might be like the medical thing i cannot 
I'm all I'm okay but yeah a photo I like panic so much when I get a meeting put in with someone even at work who I haven't actually met in person before and I'll like look them up on LinkedIn and I'm like this isn't helpful because I all I'm getting from this is you might have brunette hair but what if you dyed it like I yeah. just can't go from a photo to recognizing someone in real life but Harry manages to recognize Elphias Doge and ask to sit down and talk to him he then in a good Harry move says reveals who he is and Doge is like yeah Arthur told me you here I'm like what is the point in Harry yeah. being in disguise at this wedding for god's sake and Doge pours Harry a goblet, goblet of champagne. champagne we're so close in this chapter so close so this is my favorite thing in fantasy books is okay second favorite my favorite when it says goblet of wine my second favorite is when it says goblet of anything else because it's like being edged like i read goblet off and i'm like it's happening (laughs) and then it's like blood and i'm like goblet of champagne is said so many times in this chapter yeah but we have goblets of champagne yeah two cheers continental i don't know if that's continental anyway they start talking and harry's basically like look tell me about the article tell me about dumbledore and doge's kind of like i'm so glad you talked to me i was gonna write to you he was talking about oh yeah i knew dumbledore the longest if you don't count aberforth and somehow people never do seem to count aberforth which very good we aberforth is mentioned a lot early in this Mm. book so that we can be like the aberforth payoff can really hit home later in the book aberforth was so well oh it's that is the perfect setup and payoff honestly really really good stuff it's mentioned again in this chapter the goat stuff it's weird yeah it's weird but also what blows my mind and i don't believe it because they've given up on them now and i wouldn't believe them as canon anyway aberforth has a son according to the timeline of fantastic beasts no he doesn't fuck the (sighs) fuck off we were literally just having this conversation in the pub about how like plot twists and reveals and stuff are so much better when you can work them out yeah this is like that down to a t we have had Aberforth referred to throughout most of the books mm-hmm. we've had it referred to that he's the barkeep of the whatever pub it's called like it's all there like you can work it out the mirror thing if you put your mind to it yeah. and that's what I love I there needs there's no there's no payoff if you can't work it out yeah there's no satisfaction for the reader <gasps> be real <gasps> be real so Harry kind of starts asking about the Rita Skeeter article and saying that, you know, she said some quite different things to what you said. And Doge is obviously very upset by this. And he clearly is very upset by all the aspersions being cast on Dumbledore at the moment. As we've said, we're pretty sure Doge was quite in love with Dumbledore. I wonder if they ever kissed because Dumbledore's gay too. See, I see Doge as being like completely friends. I don't think that the thought would ever occur to Dumbledore, but I do reckon there was like one or two like drunken smooches. This is what I think, yeah. Dumbledore was probably like, it's it's, it's just friendly. platonic kissing. Yeah, it's like, just it's a absolutely kissing. fine. And Doge is like, like, again, I'm sorry, if anyone watched Big Brother this year, this is big like Jordan and now I can't rem- remember his name, Jordan and what's his face energy, but but they don't end up together. Whereas Jordan and what's his face have just moved in. Sorry. Um, I agree with you though. I feel there's a few drunken kisses that meant something completely different to the pair of them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then Auntie Muriel decides to party poop this little this little <laughs> gathering. Although she does have a goblet of champagne. Woo! And she is getting drunk on her champagne. Good for her. Good for her. And she 
clearly does not like Dumbledore. She loves Rita Skeeter, though, so is happy to shit-talk Dumbledore constantly, which yep. annoys Doge massively. If there's one thing that JK is good at doing, it's encapsulating, which is now quite ironic, but this, like, this archetype of, like, the Tory Britain Daily Mail reader with no media literacy. Yeah. Like... She does it in Vernon so well. Yeah. She does it in Mural. She does it in Vernon's sister. Like, she's so good. And it's, uh, yeah, she does it very, very well. Like, literally Mural, just believing everything that she reads. I mean, part of me really likes it in Mural because I'm like, you know what? If there's one thing I am, it's a gossip. Oh, and God, especially yeah. when it doesn't affect me. It's like the best thing whenever anyone's like, can I tell you gossip, but about someone you don't know? I'm, yes, please. Give it to me. That's there were two things I was going to say. One of them is what's kind of interesting about what Muriel believes and what she's saying is that she hasn't even heard everything Rita Skeeter's going to say yet, but everything she's kind of saying is what Rita Skeeter ends up revealing, which is about Ariana and things like that. But what's interesting is that everything Muriel says has nuggets of the truth within it, and that's mm. the same with all rumors. Like rumors are never, are very rarely completely, completely baseless. This reminds me of my favourite quote. I think it's from the Mighty Boosh, but they're like talking about this kind of concept and one of them goes, no smoke without fire. And then another, another one of them goes, dry ice. Yeah, yeah. Really problematic show, but that line is just that's funny. Jeff's fucking kiss. But yeah, the truth of this whole matter with Ariana and Aberforth and everything that Muriel is bringing up is like... Like, the truth is close to the rumour. It's just always a lot more tragic than mm. you think. And you always want to make someone the villain. Whereas usually with these sort of things, everyone did a bit of something wrong. Yeah. So what Muriel... It's always... It's the saying, like, there's three sides to every story. Yeah. Yeah. So what Muriel is saying, the tale that Muriel tells Harry to give it in a in the shortest form, is that Dumbledore had a sister called Ariana who it is believed was a squib and was therefore kept at home because Kendra, Dumbledore's mother, was a very proud woman and very ashamed to have produced a squib. So Ariana was kept at home and forced to hide the fact she was a squib and perhaps Ariana murdered Kendra and then had been locked away so much that she somehow died young and did Dumbledore kill her directly or kill her by neglect. Yeah, I... As much as I hate the Fantastic Beast franchise, mm. the only really good thing that's added is the concept of the, what are they called? What Ariana's Oh, yes, yeah, what Ariana turns out to be. Well, that's the thing. I, I really like the first Fantastic Beast film. If it had been a standalone film. Yeah. Really good. What the, are they called? But essentially... The thing that turns inside itself and then yeah. the magic person. So essentially was... the idea that Ariana, because of her trauma where she was caught doing magic by yeah. the muggle boys at... Dumbledore's dad then beat up that she then has been repressing her magic yeah. and this adds so fucking much yeah. to this particular conversation yeah. to the point where I'm like, like in a way like part of me is like I get that she has to pick and choose what she actually puts in the text but also there's so much like in this book especially that just is added stuff that didn't need to be in there that I'm like I feel like you could have added this one more thing because especially this conversation but it, this entire narrative it adds so much because you essentially have doge put in a position where he clearly knows the truth about her being a google it he knows the truth about what ariana is he is saying throughout this chapter like it didn't happen like that she wasn't a squib but he's not in the position of being able to say she wasn't a squib she was a blah 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 whatever it was called 
And it didn't happen like that because it's not his truth to say. It's not his secret to say that she was a, she was a, where's the word? She was a. Yes, okay, he's Aberforth's secret son. I don't care what was actually wrong with him. What is credence in first fan? It's all coming up with like, he's Aberforth's son. Shut up. Obscurus. Obscurus. Hannah Google. That took me two seconds. Yeah, so it's it's not for Doge to say, no, actually what happened was she was an Obscurus because the, you know, muggle boys attacked and then that's why Dumbledore's dad did this and then the fight at the funeral was this. That's not for him to say. It's not his secrets. It's absolutely not his place. So he's in a position of being like, I know the truth here, but I can't adequately defend because it's not my, my secret. My, to my tell. And also, in, as far as he's concerned, the secret, if Dumbledore never revealed it, the secrets died with Dumbledore. Yes, and because Aberforth is still alive, it's really not his secret to tell. Exactly. So, And you also, can... for, for all we know, uh, because Harry never hears about it, the average uh, wizard doesn't know what an obscurus is. So even yeah. if he explained it, Muriel's not going to understand yeah. and Harry's not going to understand. But I think that takes this conversation from just it seeming like Doge is just incapable of defending him and therefore actually is what's being said true. But when you know that, it, when you know the truth, not only about the whole obscurus thing, but then what we learn later on in mm. the book, mm. it really takes the scene from him just being a bit useless and unable to defend it. So maybe it's true to it actually being like, it's not his place to tell. It's not something that he can yeah. explain. Yeah. It, it's layered and it's, so it's really tragic. well done. And you can see how, because of how Doge is unable to defend it, you can see how Harry kind of leaves this conversation like shit, like, you know, is it true? And is Doge just being naive because there is so much unexplained there? Mm. And oh, it's so tragic. Yeah, I, it's, it's very well done. It's just fantastically yeah, I done. I feel so bad for Doge in this situation. Yeah. I would like to see him like mentioned or included again in books. Yes, and I would like to see him kind of included again, maybe in this book mm. in some way because it's just kind of like left here. And yeah, yeah. The other thing that's brought up in this chapter, actually, that's a good point. Like, of all the things that Harry goes and does, like. I'm really surprised it's never on his list to go and have a cup of tea with Doge. Yeah. Like he's someone trusted. He clearly has a lot of answers. Yeah, he could have. When he's like, we have to go speak to Bathilda. I'm like, I know you didn't get everything you wanted to out of Doge, but you were interrupted by Muriel. Go and have another conversation exactly. with him. Go and try. Especially because I feel like you can read between the lines in conversations. You know when someone's uncomfortable because of a third party. Yeah, yeah. You can always be like, I don't think that they were saying what they wanted to. Yeah, so I'm right. going to speak to them alone. The other thing Muriel says is she got a lot of her information from Bethilda Bagshot, who was very friendly with the Dumbledores, which leads me to question, right, Muriel is 107, as established in this chapter by her verbally saying it. We know that Dumbledore, the books kind of say he's like 150. If Muriel kind of knew some of this and heard it described, Muriel is younger than Dumbledore, but maybe Dumbledore's more like 120, 130. Bethilda was an adult when Dumbledore was a teenager how old is Bathilda like I know that wizards live longer but Jesus Christ we're now getting into like territories of like 200 years old yeah because she's like supposed to be a really famous historian, historian but it's like is she a historian, historian or, or is she, she just, just remembering <laughs> stuff literally I'm like okay uh, Muriel swigs more champagne. She's getting well drunk. Good for her. Good for the 107 year old Muriel. And like she's chatting shit right now. Drink but... the free wine, especially because this is the best kind of wedding to go to whenever there's a single French relative because you know the wine's going to be good because they will bring the wine over from France. 
where it's dirt cheap and really good. And also, it's all floating around the f- crowd for free at the moment. I went to my first wedding recently where pretty much all the alcohol was free. I've never had that before. I've always had a portion free and then you pay for it. It's very different. Like, there's different levels in British culture, basically, you know, based on what the bride and groom can- want and can afford. But I went to one recently where I didn't pay for a drink and I was like, this is the best thing ever. Mm. It's great. Love it. So yeah, Meth- like, she carries on talking shit. She's talking about... She's basically saying, I hope Rita Skeeter talked to Bathilda. And Doge says that would be really, really immoral. It's kind of known that Bathilda's really mm. ill. And Muriel says there are ways of bringing back memories. And this will come up halfway through the book. But this is so immoral, what is done. Like, like let alone what, obviously, what Voldemort did to Bathilda is absolutely disgusting. But what Rita did to her is also, like revolting she was a vulnerable old woman and it just makes me it makes me so angry that she was taken advantage of in this way it makes me very angry as well that like her death isn't really talked about in the rest of her book this is one of the most famous magical historians ever she's clearly like a very famous woman who just like life was wasted at the end by being like a reference point to dumbledore's you know this thing that smeared dumbledore and then her body being reanimated and used by Voldemort. Yeah, it's literally her entire legacy came down to not obviously her gossiping about Dumbledore, but it was made to look that way. Exactly. That's what she, her like lifetime achievements as a woman was just like, yeah, just put on her gossiping about a man. And we can hope that the Wizarding World remembered her in a very different way. And like she was put as a victim of Voldemort and everything like that. Mm. But her last written testimony will be what Rita Skeeter got out of her. And that makes me fucking furious yeah i i, I want to read a line as i wrote it because of how i refuse to sure, yeah. correct the autocorrect of my notes mural joins them and accuses fumble of offing his squib sister who was locked in the basement fumble um, right at the end of all this conversation harry finds out that the dumbledores lived in godrick's hollow and this is what makes harry start to believe what muriel said and not what doge said because he starts to question how could dumbledore lie to me yes it's a lie by omission but harry views it as a lie because how could he have this connection with me and never mention it and obviously dumbledore never mentioned it because it's so painful for him and obviously this is something that comes up in the king's cross scene at the end but yeah like this is something dumbledore should have mentioned last year is it if he the problem with dumbledore is that he and this this is the entire crux of this book if you ask someone to trust you implicitly and ask them to follow your orders you have to give them something like trust is a two-way thing and you have to give a part of yourself in order to love and trust someone i mean yes but at the same time i think that the books have this weird thing of making harry kind of like assume and like retcon his own memories with Dumbledore where he, does he do kind that, of yeah. from day one sees them as having a lot more of a personal relationship than they ever do at the end of the day they mm. have like one debrief at the end of every year but Harry acts like they were busy mates like at no point did they ever have a personal discussion that wasn't just about like Harry yeah in relation to uh, Voldemort I think it's I more almost did it almost we haven't done it in a long time no. I think it's more how much Dumbledore asks Harry to do and to give up and to sacrifice without ever seeming to give up parts of himself that Harry mm-hmm. finds offensive I do see it but at the same time like I they never yeah they're never like, like personal besties yeah like Harry thought a few chapters ago like the only he, he thinks the only thing that Dumbledore ever lied to him about was also the only personal question he ever asked him 
and that was about the, the socks, yeah. yeah um yeah. so yeah basically the conversation ends muriel walks off and hermione drops into the seat next to him saying i can't dance anymore my feet hurt mood also she rubs her shoes off it is never explained whether she puts her shoes yeah. back on and i'm suddenly really worried that she's walking along tottenham court road yeah. with like one shoe on or something i disgusting i was audio booking this and my audio books are like torrented a thousand million years ago that i've always just kept the same ones on a hard drive mm. um i remember originally downloading them this was like back when i was a teenager in the countryside the internet was so slow i had to leave my laptop on for four days to download them i noticed because obviously we're only a few chapters into like this one the seventh book has clearly been ripped either from i'm guessing the cds but potentially also the audiobooks because there was a pause at one point and i was like that's not the end of the chapter because it was just at a random point and then it went chapter eight continued and i was like it's from the cds so it would, wow, so it would either be CD. like flipping the cd and it'd be halfway through a chapter or the audiobooks when you'd have to turn it over you i mean, mean the actual tapes yeah yeah the yeah. tapes sorry and it just literally took me right back to always oh God, get when the I used to have cassette to flip tapes. Yes, you, and even on those shorter books, you used to have to flip the yeah. tapes. Yeah, and I used to get them from the library and I would listen to them to go to sleep and it would reach the end of the side and it'd be like halfway through a chapter on the cliffhanger. And I have so many memories of yelling down the hallway. I'd be like, mom. She'd be like, what? what? I'd be like, my turnover. And she'd be like, <laughs> Yes, yes. Or depending on how late it was and this is literally hearing the Look, chapter eight, eight continued, continued. Was like, it was like my child see and this hasn't happened with any of the other audio that's so funny that it hasn't happened because some of these chapters are long no, but i'm guessing that the other ones just weren't ripped from cds or cassette tapes and this one is that's so funny. but yeah literally i forgot about the right continued back. yeah 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 um, they all used to say continued which also i find so funny now thinking about there's there's all these audio clips of like Stephen Fry being like chapter eight continued that now don't exist they don't need to exist they, so he recorded all that and it's unnecessary and it's now just yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, and I used to have the little carry case for one and two it used to be like this grey mm. satchel bag for book one it's tiny looking back and it used to have, have its own satchel bag to oh fit everything God. in so then yeah the Hermione is sitting with Harry Ron is somewhere getting more drinks and they're about to start talking when a shape falls from the ceiling of the tent onto the dance floor. It forms into a Patronus and the chapter ends. And I literally highlighted this as such a good quote because I remember, mm. I remember finishing this chapter on an aeroplane. The ministry has fallen. Scrimger is dead. They are coming. So good. Stop it. That's a fantastic way to end the chapter. I know. Jesus um, wept. <laughs> I hate to say it, but I really, this moment, whilst it's good in the film, for me, it absolutely gets ruined by the casting of Bill Nye as, no, not Bill Nye. What's he called? Bill Nye's the science guy. What's he called? Bill Nye. Bill Nye. Okay. I wasn't completely off no, there. You're missing, I thought like, I'd just gone insane. in all of this. Yeah. By the casting of Bill Nye, who I'm sorry, that is the most rogue, horrific casting so completely wrong and this moment should be so good but you're just like that's bill nye like that's his voice it's just so is it bill nye that says it because it's meant to be it's not meant to be scrimger that says it it's shacklebolt in the book 
So I always thought it was Shacklebolt in the film. I swear it was his voice saying it in the film. Maybe it is. Maybe they switched it to be more impactful. Maybe. But either but way. yeah, in the book it's Kingsley. Yeah. It's, it's so fucking good. Yeah. It's so like, just so terrifying. Yeah, you feel, and this chapter has so much like, levity and lightness like yes you're talking about like Dumbledore and maybe the bad things he did but the way the chapter is described with like the sunlit hills the countryside the birds mm. it it is meant to be what Harry always wanted which is the last day of golden happiness like the champagne is flowing Ron is dancing with Hermione and just for a moment you might forget the wars happening like just for yeah. a moment you're like all oh, the wheezies are together we're having fun no we're now in mortal peril again mm -hmm. all right Chapter nine, Woo! a place to hide. So immediately panic in this chapter because Harry and Hermione are together, but Ron is somewhere Fuck's off sake, getting Ron. some drinks. No, bless Ron. He's being the drink swallow and he's now I mean, like stuck across the hills like, like the dance floor. Oh, yeah. Oh, bless. It's like when you lose your mate on the night out, like you're in a club, fucking wandered off. The panic. You're just like, where are you? Uh, Literally, the... The only time I used to like go out clubbing in uni was when I used to visit my ex-best friend. All of her friends were fucking nightmares. Like just the worst combination of like, one of them would get drunk and like have a tantrum. The other one would get drunk and cry. And there was one that just loved being the center of attention. So she always used to either throw a tantrum and or like wander off just to make everyone worry about her. And I genuinely got to the point after like the third like time we all went out together of just being like which bear in mind it's like you know i was visiting them it was like a rare thing and every single time she would like wander off in the club where i i was just genuinely like guys i'm not being funny what why are we like worrying like why are we giving her this like just let's just enjoy our night and then they, they will would be like drunk and be like charlie don't be mean and i'm like she's made the choice yeah like after three times in a row, I'm really sorry. Go fuck it's yourself. It's your own choice. Yeah. Ron has not wandered off. Ron has gone to get drinks <laughs> for Hermione and is now stuck over the other side of the dance floor. Harry and Hermione are literally like throwing themselves into the crowd. Hermione is screaming. Yeah, they're screaming. Hermione's sobbing. Harry's trying to grab her hands so they don't get separated. And then Ron suddenly appears out the crowd and Hermione immediately disapparates with the two of them. So Ron doesn't even get to say goodbye to his own family yeah. and like yes you can throw shit at ron for what he does in the tent and we will we are gonna go into so much discussion over how like right or wrong ron is but the horrificness of a not being able to say goodbye to his family and b i didn't kind of realize for the entirety of this chapter he thinks they might be dead and he's trying to hold it together because yeah. right at the end of the chapter he breaks down and tries to say harry i'm sorry and harry says don't worry don't apologize i would feel the same i do feel mm. the same so like ron is a dick in the tent bit but i think it's blown out of proportion by a lot of fans because yeah. he doesn't even get to say goodbye to his own family see the thing is i was actually thinking about this and thinking about what i would rather because i suppose whilst... saying goodbye is the worst yeah like yeah. how the fuck do you be like we're off right. especially with how mrs weasley's being you're right yeah like how do you actually be like okay we're we're off to hunt Voldemort now. Bye. No, like, you're right. Yeah. How horrific that would be that I was kind of thinking like, yeah, if anything happens, obviously it's horrific that you never got to say goodbye in that way. But at the same time, like, do you really want to? Like, no. it's shit either way. And yeah. obviously it's also shit for Harry and Hermione because they're so close to the Weasleys. But I think we like, we do kind of sometimes forget that this is Ron's family. Mm. Like this is absolutely and, awful. And as well, like, whilst I do obviously understand how Ron's being, it's not like, because I think in the film, like Death Eaters start to appear there, don't they? Yeah. yeah. But in the book, 
we haven't heard that. All we know is like they're coming. They haven't necessarily. No, it says yet. dark figures appear amongst the crowd. Oh, okay. But then also in the next chapter, they get confirmation that everyone's okay. So it's like in that moment, they then all get separated and have to go to work and to school again. And yeah, I mean, obviously, but we at least like at least Ron does get that like closure on that specific moment. Yes, yes, yeah. But I think I didn't realize until I got to the end of this chapter that this entire chapter, Ron has been thinking his family are dead yeah. like that's he's just trying to keep it cool and fight death eaters yeah. again thinking his family might I be think dead it's it's funny thinking about the fact that like you know harry in his brain was like yeah okay we're all gonna get together to fight that's why he was being like ron ron like trying to get them all together ron was probably just like pure and instinct trying to find them to like make sure they were okay and you've got to know it was like the moment hermione's the only one with the fucking brain that the moment she touched ron was like boom Gone. we're going you know harry was probably like i, was I gonna did stay. not realize that that was what you were doing and like, hermione says later no we left because the only reason they're at the wedding is to look for you your presence is putting yeah, everyone's but life harry has in a saving danger people thing that he wouldn't have thought about that logically and you just know that like yeah. if he hadn't been ho- holding hermione's hand already so that they wouldn't get separated there's no way harry would have let her disapparate no him. but they do disapparate and hermione in a moment of I think genius operates onto Tottenham Court Road, which yeah. is absolutely brilliant to think to hide in plain sight amongst a muggle crowd. Yeah. Because fuck me, if you try to find anyone in central London ever, when everyone ever says, let's meet at like Oxford Circus, I'm like, no. Even if you give which me an ex- exit. Which exit to start which with. Is what- it's sad that the top shop is now gone because it was always the outside top shop. It's a fucking nightmare trying to yeah. find you. I now work very close to Tottenham Court Road. I literally filmed something at the Tottenham Court Road f- uh, tube station the other day. So I was reading this like, yes, London. Yeah, <laughs> I know because I had the same thing of thinking about, I was trying to think about if we've specifically had like an actual real muggle London place called out in the same way. Yeah. I don't know if we, we have. have. No. This is like kind of the first like real aside from we've had like obviously Harry King's goes on Cross. the underground and yeah and like we've that. had obviously King's Cross but yeah I was like I feel like this is and I think especially being Londoners I'm just really like oh they're in our I know I know not that anyone ever would voluntarily go to court right well Actually, this is what I find kind of cute I remember when I was a teenager and me and my best friend Lucy my mum bless her heart wants us a treat because mine and Lucy's birthdays are only three weeks apart took us on a day trip to London to tour every Harry Potter spot Aww. and one of them was just going to Tottenham Court Road and I find it so funny now because I was just like oh this is where she disapparated. This is like an important place. I now commute through like Tottenham Court Road every day mm. and I'm like, A, hell on earth. B, just hilarious that I used to think this was a bit... I, hilarious and also, wow, I'm so lucky my life turned out this way that I used to think Tottenham Court Road was a big deal and now it's just an yeah. everyday part of my life. Yeah, the only time I ever go to Tottenham Court Road is to go to Thai Metro. Incredible Thai restaurant. Beautiful. If any, any recommendations. This is where they should have gone instead of Greasy Spoons. They should have gone to Thai Metro. If you're in central London, God forbid... And you need somewhere relatively cheap with in- incredible vegetarian options, and you like Thai food, go to Thai Metro. That's it's my great. New recommendation good food, for you. good prices, and every single dish you can do tofu instead yeah. of meat. But what I really like about this chapter is I can clearly imagine everything they're doing and everything yeah. they're walking past. So, so from potentially, and I was really trying to think about Tottenham Court Road because like I said the only time I go there is either to go through and I'm marching straight to Thai Metro or like occasionally I've been shopping there if I need something specific 
So I was really trying to think about the greasy spoons. No, no, no. I mean, yes, but the fact that they go down like a apparently abandoned side alley, and I really Do you know was where like, I think it is. No, I thought about this. So they turned down a side road, then an alley. Do you know where I think they got changed? G-A-Y late is off a side road off Tottenham Court Road. Oh, so that, that's the side road that came into my head. Obviously, there's a lot of side roads, but then I know there's an alley that runs between G-A-Y late and the and the parallel street behind yeah. Tottenham Court Road because I've cut through that alley. Yeah, because I literally, I, I'm not even kidding. I was like sat there like trying to map it out in my head. And then I was like, you know what? I think I've not actually like been to explore Tottenham Court Road in long enough that I can confidently we also don't know where they've appeared on it so i'm thinking of the central bit where it intersects with oxford yeah. street but for all we know they could be like half a mile up or down it i feel like they probably would be in the central bit purely yeah. for if hermione's like, like thinking of like of a landmark so yeah what i imagine is they are changing clothes outside a half open gay late or whatever that was there in the 90s i think G.A.Y. has been there that it long. It might have been, but this is what I was thinking as well. I was like, okay, even if there's not a side street now, there might have been in the 90s. Well, yeah, the, because the, the exits of Tottenham Court Road that we know now and were not there in yeah. the 90s. That huge glass one wasn't there. Exactly. Yeah. But what I do find unrealistic about this, I have to say, is the fact that there's a random greasy spoons. I'm like, I, I think there could have been one in the late 90s. Yeah, this is the only saving grace I'll give it. Because but I'm there like, is a greasy... The thing that gives it a saving grace is, you know, next to the spoons, which is on Tottenham Court Road, which is the Montague Pike. Yeah. Next to that. I hate, that. I hate it. It's always busy. But for doing things in central London, because I often go to the Odeon on Tottenham Court Road, not Tottenham Court Road, but the, the Odeon Covent Garden, because I've got Odeon Limitless. I sometimes grab food in the spoons, Montague Pike. Yeah. I, I go there because it's typically like me and I will do Time Metro. And yeah. Then, if you ever want to stalk me, If you ever want to stalk us, just apparently do exactly what we're just saying right now. go on a Thursday to Time Metro and then <laughs> and after the, pop and the to the spoons. spoons on top. I will probably be there with my... <laughs> anyway, but next to that, there is a kebab shop. Now, I can mm. imagine that kebab shop could have been Ooh. a greasy spoon in the ni- late 90s. Yeah... To me, all it's giving is like money laundering. Like this was like updated. Now it'd be like, and then they went in the American candy, candy shop. shop. <laughs> well, no, my note was, why the fuck, if you were trying to stay anonymous, didn't you go in the Big McDonald's on the corner of Tottenham right? Court Road? Like if you want to stay anonymous, they're not going to find you in oh there. Oh my God. I think one of the most imb- like, embarrassed I've ever been one time, I went to the Primark on the corner of Totty Court, which is like the best, most chaotic, but best Primark I ever. I just got some great socks from there the other day. Mm. I needed new socks. And obviously like, Primark give you the paper bags and it was like oh no and literally I I think I'd, I'd bought something like it must have been like a plant pot or a vase I can't remember something heavy and breakable and literally in the walk from the Tottenham Court Road Primark to the McDonald's which is like not even four meters yeah it was raining that torrentially that the brown bag the paper bag got drenched and as I was stood in McDonald's waiting for my food the entire thing just Tour. Oh, we're thinking of different McDonald's. Sorry, there's actually two McDonald's really close together. You're yes. thinking of the McDonald's right next to Primark. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking for them to hide in the huge one that's now opposite the Cursed Child Theatre, which is still technically yeah. Tottenham Court Road. Anyway, carry no, on. You're I, in the small McDonald's. The, but I yeah. know where you are. And yeah, and then the bag tour and the plant pot or vase or whatever just smashed all over the McDonald's floor. No. And I didn't have any other bag with me as well. Everything else I'd bought was then just on the <laughs> floor and I was literally just there like, I actually don't know what to do because <laughs> I can't carry this in my arms all the way home. And I've also just like smashed a pot all over the fucking no. McDonald's floor. 
very embarrassing. Not the most embarrassed I've ever been in a McDonald's, but that's a conversation for another day. There was one more thing I was going to say on this brilliant, very <laughs> London topic. Sorry, I, I hope our listeners know that whenever any kind of like London landmark is referenced, we're going to be like, we're like, let us do a deep dive. Take a sit down. Yeah, take a sit down. Let <laughs> take us, a sit down. Take, take a, a seat. seat. Take a seat. Let us sit talk down, you through London. There was one more thing I was going to say. And it's completely gone. I was going to say, J.K. Rowling, Rowling, J.K. Rowling clearly has a bit of an obsession with this area as well because her Cormoran Strike series is set on I can't remember what street, but it is a street with a load of music shots, shots, shops that is just off Tottenham Court Road. So she mm. clearly like likes this area. Spent a lot of time in this area. Fucking fake Londoner. All she's ever been is off. Anyway, so Tottenham Court Road, they turn down a stri- side street. As I've said, I'm imagining it's the alleyway next to G.I.Y. Lights, if you know, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, a woman laughs at their dress robes. And okay, this would not happen. No, no one laughing it, at you in London. And the only argument I could entertain is the fact that like it's Tottenham Court Road, so there might be tourists. But no, not late at night. The only tourists you would get in Tottenham Court Road late at night, it's presumably on a weekend, would be, or like the Essex crowd. But they're yeah. in London enough that- but if the theatres are kicking out, you've got a lot all at once. That's 11. <sighs> yeah, maybe. But I still just don't think that this would actually happen. You can do anything in London and no one cares. No one cares. So they turn to a side where- <sighs> And Harry's like, oh my God. And especially if they are near gay or whatever. <laughs> I always say G-A-Y because it sounds really weird to say the club, Guy. you know, the club gay. G-A-Y. Guy. And yeah. then I always call it G-A-Y late. And I don't know whether that's because it's what everyone else called. Like, is it called G-A-Y late? I don't know. I don't know. You might just be being like really straight middle class. You're like, G-A-Y late. Everyone else sounds like, gay. Gay. They are changing clothes. Harry is like, oh, I'm such an idiot. I forgot the invisibility cloak. And you knew you were gonna have to run at some point why was hermione why why did none of you ever discuss with each other what if we have to run where's our stuff they just clearly are not familiar with the concept of a go bag like at this point you absolutely should have had a go bag yeah like when a pregnant woman has a go bag like come on yeah your brain goes to that i'm just like when you're potentially being hunted by someone <laughs> when you're on the tv show and yeah, you have I, to have to go back they're, but they're all annoyed at each other and hermione's like no no it's fine i've got it all so basically she's put an undetectable extension charm on her tiny beaded bag which will only give me mary poppins when mary poppins is pulling the yeah. fucking floor lamp out the bag and then she's like oh no i've knocked all the books over i had them stacked by subject how like i understand the bag can expand to whatever size but if you can only place things in it with the reach of your own arm how are you stacking things by subject yeah i just uh, <laughs> shut up <laughs> i kind of understand how you could stack them i see it the same as like if you did just have a large bag and you put it on the floor you could stack yeah. them but more what i'm thinking is like how did you ever expect to pick that up and have it not immediately you know i mm, yeah it won't be explained i don't mind it because it's kind of a whimsical piece of nonsense magic and it's fine and it's cute whatever yeah so Harry puts on the invisibility cloak while Ron changes into his normal muggle clothes. Poor Hermione does not change herself in the alley, so is dressed up to the nines, presumably still in high heels, whilst the other two are, you know, fine. And they were like, we want to keep moving, we want to keep moving. So as you said... this I'm sorry, this just reminded me of when we did the photo shoot and we were getting changed on the street to try to cover each other. 
It was fun. I love that poetry. It was one of my yeah. favourite days. Do you like 40k steps or something? <laughs> Absolutely batshit, yeah. <laughs> Not as many steps as the Monopoly pub. No, the Monopoly pub crawl was 40,000. The Monopoly pub crawl, we walked half a marathon in a day. <laughs> we walked a half marathon? We need to do another pub quiz this summer. We at uh, Pub quiz? Pub, pub crawl, crawl this I know. summer. We've been saying it, we're doing the circle line one. We actually need to do it. Yeah, but I also kind of want to just do a London boy one. <laughs> Can't make it! Oh, God. And in, you know, classic London fashion, as they're trying to walk somewhere to find to go, some drunk men start heckling Hermione. Yeah. I Nothing mean, this changes. is believable. This is just so believable. Of course, because she's in a dress and heels. They actually start yelling, like, ditch ginger and come and have a pint, which makes it slightly less believable because the one thing I will say is I very rarely get heckled when I'm with men. I normally just get heckled on my own or with women. <sighs> yeah, that's true. And she's with... Actually, no, Harry's a big visit. So one man. Yeah. I occasionally get heckled with one person, one man, yeah. I, this sounds really horrible, but I kind of can see it from the fact that he's, not that I think that it's right, but I do think that it's kind of humorous and I can see it happening. Someone like, being referring like, to him as ginger like ginger yeah yeah you just know they're outside the spoons you just know they're outside the montague pike don't you yeah definitely I just know that they are so they walk into a small and shabby Actually, no, cause I have to... does it have an outside area i don't think it does if people are smoking they sound on the street yeah, yeah. so they oh no but it was the 90s they wouldn't have they didn't need to wild wild so they end up in a small and shabby all-night cafe a proper greasy spoon with formica top tables I realise I'm saying things that Americans won't understand. I don't care. I'm not explaining it. Google it. Suffer. So they sit in a booth and Hermione with her back to the door. No offence, Ron. Maybe swap. (laughs) Maybe swap. I mean, actually, maybe it's best that they don't because Ron has better reactions in panicked situations as proven in this chapter. So... I mean, maybe. Yeah. So... They're all talking about what to do. Ron is kind of saying, should we go to the leaky cauldron? Hermione's saying no. Hermione is the one that says, we know what's going on. Voldemort has taken over the ministry. Bum, bum, bum. I was so stupid reading this chapter that I was trying to bit, find a bit where Harry does magic to prove he still has the trace on him. And I was like, that's... <laughs> we know by the end of the book, it's the word Voldemort. No, because I had entirely forgotten actually that this was. Fun. I thought it was that they read her mind when she was thinking where to go, and that's. It. But no, it's the fact that she's. Yeah, obviously. No, but I thought it was the trace, which is what they think it is. Yeah, but we're both stupid. Anyway, Hermione says the word Voldemort, and they order two cappuccinos, which Ron thinks are disgusting. Which you have coffee at Hogwarts. I'm not sure why we are now pretending that coffee is gross in the Muggle world. Like we Muggle know you coffee. have coffee muggle coffee is gross they're talking about whether they should find a way to send a message to the order when two other blokes dressed as workmen walk in i'm like they got the alert they said Voldemort. how quickly did they get muggle workmen outfits and i just like to think that they already hatched them also already in the area they were in gay going wow yeah this was literally my thing is it a ymca outfit and there was like Okay, there was two gay guys like dressed up as the oh what were they called? Oh, God, you guys, yeah, dressed up as they stood outside gay and they've been mugged for their, their outfits. Like that's a muggle outfit. And no, that- actually, it's not even two workman outfits. It's like the offensive Pocahontas. Or like it's the workman outfit, but it's the most like gay latex, <laughs> like hive's late assless chaff. Hermione, and just I like request? I see nothing suspicious here. This is exactly how 
working men builder working men dress can i request we get a lot of messages and i mean a lot a lot a lot from people who don't live in england saying that they have followed our tips and advice around london can i please request one of you goes and looks at the alley by gay lates <laughs> oh, and no. then tries to find an all-night cafe or something someone's gonna get like mugged down this alley and it's blame be us fault. yeah sorry yeah. Uh, you're not but so they're still <sighs> talking hermione says Ron, so Hermione says, look, let's just go into the countryside and I can send a message then. So that's what they agreed to do. Ron's like, great, let's go. Do you have muggle money? Yes, I took out all of my building society savings before I came to the borough. So not only has Hermione organized this whole trip, she is financing this whole trip as well. Harry is like a billionaire. And I know (laughs) because of his safety, he could never go to Gringotts to go get the money. And I know... I know that Harry, after this year was done, would have said, Hermione, let me give you all the money back. <laughs> but it's just the fact that Hermione for the next year is financing this trip. I'm like, for fuck's sake. With her building society savings. It's the lucky that, her that mom and she dad... comes from like a posh family. But even then, it's probably not like thousands. It's probably like a hundred quid a birthday no, and but Christmas. Like the fact that she has Anything. any money no no i know that's like middle class in itself but yeah it's probably like she has withdrawn what was her childhood savings account where she put yeah. like 10 quid from aunts and uncles I, in. Know, I definitely can see her coming from the kind of family where she probably like had like some parental money i'm not talking like full-on trust fund. but what she had a- she's only 17 i don't think she'd have access to I it having like either like inheritance or some kind of trust fund but i can see her having like an account with like a few thousand in that's supposed to be like for emergencies okay i always saw it as like what i had growing up which is very middle class i will say i had the nationwide children's saver account it had a monkey on the front if anyone remembers it but to teach it was specifically designed to teach children about saving money and because i was middle class and very lucky i used to get you know like 10 and 20 quid in my birthday cards and christmas cards and things like that and i was taught to if you want to spend that, spend it on what you want, but you put the rest in an envelope and then we go take it to Nationwide in your special monkey account. And I imagine Hermione has emptied her little monkey Nationwide account. Yeah, I see her as probably having that, but then also having it probably been topped up by like a few grand from her like parents to be like, this is like for a season. Yeah, especially because she goes to boarding school. Her parents were probably like, look, we'll put this in in case you need to access it at Gringotts or anything. Yeah, yeah exactly. Probably like, right. She probably has an account so that she can like send off for more like wizardy yeah. if she needs. Yeah, probably. So yeah, she's taken all that out. And then Harry, who is opposite the two men dressed as workmen, they pull out their ones and Harry does the same thing. Harry is a bit sassy to Ron. He's like, Ron, a few seconds late in realizing what was going on. Ron is concentrating on other things, but Harry draws his wand, but Ron's first instinct is to dive across the table and push Hermione to the ground to save her. I'm like, because she can't defend herself. I'm kidding. Well, no, her head is currently inside the beaded bag looking for change, bless her. So, and also Ron gets himself tied up with ropes for this. So, which could have easily been a killing curse. So, Ron. They have a brief fight with these two Death Eaters, but the trio really easily win. (laughs) Like, really easily win i suppose because the death eaters are trying to catch and not kill them and the death eaters probably didn't have that much flexibility because they're in like full latex assless of course, yeah they're in a gimp mask at the end of the day so yeah so they managed to because this is the thing as well having like workmen like builder uniforms it's like it's late at night on tottenham court road that has to be the most suspicious yeah. one way to 
where did you get it from to like why would you be there like yeah wearing like a it makes no sense the only acceptable answer is that they've mugged some gays i love this new theory we've come up with uh-huh. anyway they really easily defeat them they're both stunned or knocked out hermione's panicking and in classic harry fashion somehow hermione's panic seemed to clear harry's head classic to be fair i absolutely get this like i used to have such intensely bad like social anxiety travel anxiety everything and i specifically remember going to london before i'd moved for like an influencer event and i was normally so anxious like travel was one of the biggest things like any kind of like yeah like mostly train travel i mean i never went to the airport alone until i was like a lot older but made me so anxious and then one time i did it and I did it with a girl who was like a lot worse than me in terms of anxiety together. And I just immediately became, okay, no, don't worry. I know how the tube works. I know yeah. where we're going, like what we're doing. And I went from being like the most anxious, could barely do it by myself to being like, I'm the one in charge. I'm fine. No anxiety. Let's go. Because there was like more anxious. Oh no, I definitely find this. Someone else's, I think I'm very calm in most situations, but someone else's anxiety and panic will make me even calmer. So they're both out cold and they agree to wipe their memories we get a little bit of a plot hole which is harry hermione saying i've never done a memory charm but i know the theory now she didn't wipe her parents memories she modified them but surely that is more complex magic than wiping the memories and surely the modifying is based on the theory of wiping surely so yeah i I don't like this modifying has to be more complicated and planting false memories And, and the thing is okay because my note was the fact that, okay, so they know that someone said Voldemort, so they steal some gay outfits and walk into a greasy... Oh, all of a sudden we're waking up and we can't remember anything. I'm sorry, because they make this big point about they clean up the place so that they wouldn't know what happened. I think they can fill in the gaps, love. Like, it would have made so much more sense to modify their memory that they went into the greasy spoons and there was no one there. You know? Yeah. It, they're I just going to be like I guess waking they didn't, up just I, like... I guess they thought they didn't have the time in case more showed up. Maybe, yeah. But what annoys me about the cleaning up thing is not only... But they if like they have the time to clean up, they have the time to modify the memory. I guess it's just a quick repair. But Ron is like, why would we clean up? Only to maybe throw the scent off a bit because it's not fair on the muggle owners to leave a smashed up cafe that costs mm. hundreds to repair, Ron. Yeah. So they clean up the cafe, they wipe their memories... Ron is being a little bitch about the fact that Hermione packed his old jeans which are too tight and he can't get his wand out his pocket so Hermione and the line is cut out in classic J.K. Rowling fashion but Hermione basically says you should stick it up your ass if you want somewhere to keep. Brilliant. So then they discuss why has this happened and their theory is could the trace still be on Harry which is a valid enough theory and Harry says look let's go to Grimmauld Place. I know that Snape has access to it but we've got to at least try. And you know what? I could, I could come across Snape. I could beat. He's the shit basically out of Snape. like, I can take him. I can take him. I could beat the shit out of him. And they've got no other options here <laughs> apart from camping in the woods. So they agree to go to Grimmauld Place. It's funny as well because the they, like, they historically know that Harry, in fact, cannot, cannot take Snape. No, but they yeah. historically know that Snape is amazing at magic. But yeah. fine, whatever. So they go to Grimmauld Place, and they walk in and immediately notice the uh, the umbrella, umbrella stand has been knocked over their tongues roll backwards into their own mouths but yeah. then immediately unroll 
They take another step in and a figure made of dust rises from the carpet. They also hear Madai's voice saying Severus Snape. Yes, yes. It's great again because it's playing into the whole we didn't see his body. Yeah. Is he actually dead? Mm, yeah. It kind of would have been... I say it would have been great for them to find that he's just like hiding out here. It would have been great if it... Sorry, if it had happened later on. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Dumbledore's just chilling here. But no, Dumbledore's ghostly dust figure appears out the carpet and like streams towards them and it explodes on the word kill. And... Ha- Hermione and Ron are completely freaked out by this. The portrait starts yelling, but in the end they decide to stay. Hermione does a spell to reveal if there's any humans in the house. And when it doesn't show anything, Ron says, well, you've just had a big shock. What was that supposed to do? And Hermione's like, it did what it was supposed to do. There's no one else in the house. I I really like him saying, you've had a big shock. It's so funny. It's... It's so like erectile dysfunction. <laughs> okay, so they walk into the drawing room. Harry's scar starts hurting. Of course it does. Of course it does. Attention seeker. Attention seeking wanker. He can tell that Voldy's pissed off. Yeah, really angry. Ron is kind of badgering okay, him. Okay, which... thing is, you know how Harry will just, at this point, just feel random things of his emotions? It's really good that Harry isn't a woman because like... What if you were on your period, you'd be like, Voldemort's really pissed off right now. No, no, no. It would just be... You I suppose know? because he can kind of see things as well. <sighs> I feel like sometimes when the period's bad... Maybe it's good that Voldemort isn't a woman because Harry would just every month... Oh my God. Like, God, I'm so angry. <laughs> my tummy hurts. My tummy hurts. Yeah, Ron is... Harry's getting annoyed at Ron because Ron is badgering him with questions about whether his family are alive, which they resolve like a page later but Hermione's kind of going Voldemort can come false memories in your head and Harry's like yeah I know thanks yeah that's why Sirius is dead it's literally my fault okay shut the fuck up so they're all getting fine, quite angry chat, does she other. blame Sirius Hermione's a little bit savage about Sirius but then a Patronus appears in the room and it is Arthur family safe do not reply we are being watched clever of Arthur to send it to Grimmauld Place I suppose it's the only place he thought he could send it. I mean, I have no idea where else he thought he could have sent it. Like, I kind of dislike this in that, like, whilst obviously, yeah, it's nice for them to get the closure or whatever, it kind of feels like an unnecessary risk. It kind of sets up that this is a thing that they can do, but it never happens again. And it just, it it also kind of feels like from a reader point of view, yes, it suck but in a good way if we just went on not like that (laughs) like reading essentially until we get remus coming to visit not knowing yeah 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 i'd never thought about it like that yeah i don't know i'm i'm kind of a sucker for when i'm reading stuff loving that like anxiety and not knowing and i guess they didn't i guess she didn't want to write ron with that much anxiety about it considering we already have then chapters and chapters and chapters of wrong anxiety yeah but i have seen some people's opinions that the talking patronuses are overused in this book and i would say i agree with that yeah and i think if you have to chop something using them chop this yeah. use of them because yeah again it establishes that this is a thing that apparently can be done with no consequences if you think about the moments that like they're probably gonna be having an eye on Patrona somewhere. It's gonna be now. I I have always assumed Mr. Weasley did it whilst like he's been like, I have How to does... go to the loo. I just have to, and then he sent it. 
okay, yeah, but I feel like if you're going to argue that this potentially could be traced in some way, because otherwise, why are they not just being like, you're right, son, how are you? Like, into they don't the have On a random Tuesday. I, I was doing that as in, like, a bit to be, like, talking to the Patronus, but just on a random Tuesday, you know? Like, yeah. surely that's, like, safer than doing it after this, like, raid, essentially. I don't know. I, I just dislike this. I feel like it's unnecessary. It's overusing the Patronus. Yeah. And, yeah, I feel like it kind of would be good to just leave like the audience in the dark at this moment yeah i agree with the audience being left in the dark i appreciate yeah, that I, ron isn't left yeah, in the dark I, because we have enough of this book with ron's anxiety altering the dynamics of the trio that i appreciate that the dynamics of the trio are left as they are for the next few chapters because yeah. we really need that levity for how horrible the dynamics get in the next few but yeah, yeah i i'd see what you mean so Harry's scar is so bad, he's going to faint, vomit, do all the overdramatic Harry things. So he runs to the bathroom, collapses on the floor, and sees Voldemort torturing the Death Eater that just tried to kill them. But it's not Voldemort torturing them. He's forcing Draco to do the torture, which is in itself a form of torture. And Harry now has enough emotional maturity to think Harry felt sickened by what he had seen by the use to which Draco was now being put by Voldemort. I really like that Harry already has enough emotional maturity by what he saw in the tower at the end of year yeah. six to think that this isn't fair on Draco. Draco is being abused and used. Yeah. And then the chapter ends with Hermione giving Harry a toothbrush. She really thought of everything. Yes, she did. She's an icon. She's a legend. She's an icon. She's a legend. She's the moment. We have a question. I, yeah. Just great chapters as well, though. Just to say. It's just so good. I just really like these chapters. Just like, it really, it is sh shit absolutely kicking off. Kicking off out of fucking nowhere. And yeah, I feel like we normally get a slow burn with Harry of the drama building up. And like the first few chapters are normally. And then he went to class and he argued with Draco. Yeah. And this and that. And yeah, we have a few of these like scenes, chapters. But then it's really just like... It's no slow build up to the action. It's like boom, boom. Yeah. Like it, it's kicking off now and we get so much happen in like the next chapter as well. Yeah. And I understand why people struggle with the pace of book seven. And we'll talk about this in the camping chapters because I think that's where the issue comes from. But I think the pace of these chapters are just incredible. Like I'm so drawn into what's happening. Okay, the question is a bit of a spicy one. Oh, I know. I just started reading it. So this question is from Senna. You girls have been, rightly so, very critical of J.K. Rowling throughout the podcast. On some episodes, you criticise her writing and her choices for her characters. And while I mostly agree, I do sometimes find it hard to listen to. I am an aspiring amateur writer myself, and hearing you two talk harshly about some choices she makes or paragraphs she writes sometimes low-key discourages me from trying. I do understand that this happens when reading a book so intensely and that J.K.R. deserves that criticism very much. But I'd like to know your stance on this with other books and if you have any tips for an amateur like me. Mm. Love the show and this is no way of criticism. She deserves it. Just an observation oh, I made. Thank, thank you, you so much for asking, asking this. that. Genuinely. Yeah, what um, a brilliant question. Oh, yes, I have so many things to say. I mean... <laughs> You're like, I have so many thoughts. <laughs> no, I do. But like... No, same. So, I mean, a lot of... We really fucking nitpick. And, yeah. And, and I think like, we have to with this podcast because what else are we going to talk about? We have content to make. <laughs> Half of the nitpicking and like the picking out the plot holes. Like it's... 
It's kind of a bit. That Yeah, that's I think what you've got to remember is this podcast doesn't exist without us doing such a deep dive that we're being bitchy nitpickers. Yeah, like, and it's, yeah, absolutely. Like, I never, ever, ever, like, read a book with this level of, like, God, I'm gonna no. write notes on everything and nitpick. And also, sometimes I do, like, I read a lot of really trashy fantasy and romanticy and there's all of these kind of plot holes and yes sometimes they're at a point where they annoy me but a lot of the time i see them and i'm just like eh, i don't care it's part of the thing yeah like we absolutely nitpick but a lot of it is like not in any at the end of the day what you have to remember and i know it's kind of hard to see because you know we're so critical of jk as it is it <laughs> it, it as she is now but like we fucking love these books yeah yeah we oh my god like these were my childhood these were my teenage years these are my adult yeah my nitpick for something to talk about but at the end of the day we have made the decision to spend that's almost a decade talking about these books i think people forget that we would not have the patience or want to do this if we didn't have a deep love for this book so when we write in our like copy that's across various websites lovingly tear apart Mm. that is what we mean like we would not have i couldn't have the patience to do this for something i didn't actually like but in our later seasons a lot of our more vitriol with criticizing the way jk rowling writes is being influenced by jk rowling's political and personal beliefs is bleeding through into our criticisms of her writing because we hate her as a person and therefore yeah that bleeds through but that criticism mostly of her writing is is yeah just it's not just for podcast content but because we're doing this mm-hmm. this deep dive and i think there are some points which just whether she had come out as a transphobe or not i would still absolutely stick to when we get to the end of this podcast and for me those two that that one major point is you shouldn't have written a book that goes into these wider beliefs about the wizarding world such as the stance on magical creatures and muggleborns if in the end you are only going to resolve the good guy versus the bad guy you should not have written something that delves into muggleborns house elves centaurs and all their rights Mm -hmm. if you are not going to solve that at the end i would say that is the point where whatever jk rowling did in later life that is the point I would have always come up with these books. But everything else that we're nitpicking, I'm like, that's in that's in every book. Yeah. That's in I could nitpick I could based on doing this podcast, I could nitpick any book you want. She could nitpick like <laughs> I'm like the best book ever. What is what it? Is it? <laughs> any series we could nitpick on this level. Anything you can are you if if you want to. But yeah, I do like part of me worries, especially like with this kind of question that like has our love for harry potter kind of been lost along the way in translation in light of jk rowling yeah the thing is i would always rather on the side of being overly critical of jk rowling because i'd rather it be that i'm being overly critical of her than like but, her but what i don't when want she's a transphobe what i really don't want people to think which i've seen some people message us about and absolutely valid for messages by the way this yeah. is not a criticism on you messaging us is we're now coming across as bitter and hating doing this this could not be more untrue we do not hate doing this and we are not bitter people like i see how that sometimes come, comes across absolutely. absolutely can see why you think that and this is not a criticism of the people that have messaged us this we love doing this and i love still doing this because and i love harry potter because of the strong community that's built up around harry potter the reason yeah. why i love doing this is because i love creating content for a community that helped raise me yeah i feel honored to be able to do that I love- so i never want us 
I understand why sometimes we get criticism that you're Absolutely. just bitter and being forced to do this because you started it. That's not true. No. You've got to remember that we're so sarcastic and British <laughs> that it sometimes comes across as oh, we God, hate yeah. life. That's we it. actually enjoy this, I promise. <laughs> That's another thing, yeah, because like such a huge subset of our audience are American yeah. or Canadian or even European. God, yeah, we're British sarcastic assholes. But also, like, I fucking love Harry Potter. I love Harry Potter for so many reasons. Ironically, like, the biggest reason being the fact that it has shaped me into the person that I am today yeah. which ironically is the kind of person that fucking hates JK Rowling yeah. so whilst it feels really hard to praise things that she's done like it it, it kind of feels a bit like this is a complete over exaggeration I know it kind of feels like if you were like a massive fan of Hitler's art like you're like look I love Hitler for the art that he did like you wouldn't want to talk about your love of his art because it's kind of been overshadowed. So, yeah, it's hard because it's like, I, yeah, I, I, I sincerely love the book so much. I think that they're incredibly flawed as ever it's every and also, media is. The thing to remember is we could not rip this apart in such detail if it wasn't so well written. And also if we didn't fucking hyperfixate on it because it's something that we love obsessed And with the it. only reason we're obsessed with it and hyperfixate on it is, it is because it's fantastically written. Because actually one of my least favorite online things is when people boil it down to one tweet that says, well, Harry Potter is shitly written anyway. I'm like, no, it isn't. You don't get that much fame and that mm. much incredible yes there are so many other factors there are so many other factors you know the money that was pumped into it the fact that she's a white woman with a brilliant story to be told but at the end of the day there is something and we were talking about this earlier the intangibleness of harry potter yeah. of why people find it comforting and come back to it is something that no one's ever been able to explain why it has that so essentially to boil that down to the point you're asking of it makes you nervous about writing god no God, no, because if someone can so cares so much to it's what we were talking about earlier, right? When a writer will change who done it or yeah. what the ending is because people have worked it out. I find that so offensive that, you know, an author will change their ending because they worked it out halfway through the book series. If someone cares enough to pick over every word you've written, then how dare you like change it? And yeah we can tear apart some of the things jk rowling's done but at the end of the day we're still spending years of our life talking about mm. it which means like at its core it's good writing no matter what a shithead jk rowling has yeah. done so yeah like and whatever you write is never going to be perfect you're gonna you're going to have plot holes you're going yeah. to have slight issues with language like you just are that should mm. never put you off writing because no. we just both sat here and gone what's a perfect book can't think of one yeah exactly and you know, there, there's, I'm a big believer in, well, I, words. I think that they're in a similar way that there's different types of intelligence. You can have like book intelligence, you can have street smarts, you can have like emotional intelligence. There's different ways to be a good writer. Yeah. You get some writers that are amazing at this really just like very like classical, very poetic, deep writing. You get some that can craft the most complex, incredible plots. You get some that can do romance. And you can have one writer that is incredible at romance, but the plots suck or vice versa, like yeah. cough JK Rowling. Yeah. There's different ways to be a good and a bad writer. And like, you know, I'm a massive fan of Akatar. And I think that Akatar is like the most steaming shit in some ways. In <laughs> like, whilst I think that it does err uh, a lot more to the plot side than a lot of like romanticy, 
I kind of really hate that phrase, kind of really love it. It's still like the plot, there's so many plot holes and things that don't make sense, but I'm like, but I don't love it because of the plot. I'm not in it for the plot. I'm not in it for the plot. Like I'm in it because I think that she writes like great characters and great world and great like romance. And and yeah, when we're nitpicking, my God, like, I mean, one, I truly believe that the reason that Harry Potter part of it got so popular is because there's all this stuff that you can nitpick and discuss and analyze and plot holes. And I think that it was that in combination with the rise of the internet at the exact same time that these books were coming out. And it was the and perfect I think that, storm. Yeah, I think that things don't get popular if there's nothing to discuss. Yeah. So some sometimes having your work be nitpickable is it's, a great thing. At the end of the day, we both work in marketing and <laughs> both of us will put mistakes in videos we make for clients yeah. so that people comment on them. We're not stupid. Yeah. It raises the engagement and it's kind of the same thing with Harry Potter. So... But yeah, we're kind of waffling on. Yeah. To summarise, love Harry Potter. Don't nitpick things in day-to-day life and when we do, it's like absolute... We love it. We love the nitpicking. I wouldn't nitpick something I hated. I I want to read a book that I can discuss. Yeah. And the third point is, never stop writing. God, no. God, no. Keep planning, keep writing, keep... Yeah. Oh my God, be inspired by, please be inspired by someone nitpicking something. And I know that sounds so awful, but it means someone is passionate enough yeah. to discuss something. Something I don't like. I won't get past the first few chapters. Oh God, yeah. I mean, I will because I hate myself and I re- I'm really <laughs> bad DNFing. But yeah, and also, I mean, I can't give a time frame, but if you ever want to send us something to read, we will absolutely try and read it at some point. We're yeah. both very busy people. We will do it at some point. But it might all- not be... Th- really quick but also i bet there's a community we could create on the discord of beta readers yes i would love to do I would that love that yes like if, we'll discuss it with the discord see I mean, what interest there is yeah the thing is there's already like like a book section on there where people discuss books so i feel like it absolutely is an environment where you could pop into the books thing and be like will anyone like to read, read this, this for but me. so yeah yeah i would love to create an environment where people send stuff they're writing to each other let's foster new authors come on god yeah let's do this so yeah i apologize if we have come ever come across as something that makes you think that you shouldn't write because it's not good enough because yeah. i would never want to come across like that we love writing we world do. building and, and stuff like that and, yeah and more yeah. like the main thing is we fucking harry potter and i know that it probably doesn't come across as it should anymore but it's a difficult world that we live in and our feelings of jk rowling's politics bleed into her our feelings on her writing especially because her feelings on her politics bleed into her, her writing. writing exactly it's really hard to separate exactly. it's very i hard think to if separate. i had any writing advice if you're worried about it i would say just like it's not because i think that it's really important that reading reading writing be political but Try and be authentic with it. Don't start massive plot points to be like, I'm a really good person that's anti-slavery. You don't actually intend on wrapping that wrapping- up. Yeah. Yeah. So it's um, a follow through with your yeah. politics. Yeah. But don't just, you-, you know, put it there for show. But thank you for that question. No, thank it you. Was genuinely. honest and brilliant and I really loved it. And, and I'm for- sorry if we ever made you feel a certain way. Yeah. And thank you for listening yes. to this very chunky episode. Chunky. Chunky. Eden and outro. Goodbye! Bye! Thank you.
you for listening to this episode of Goblet of Wine. If you want to follow us around the internet, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok under Goblet of Wine Podcast. Or if you'd like to support us further, you can find us on Patreon, where you can get access to bonus episodes, our Discord, and loads more perks. Thank you so much to our Hufflepuff tier patrons for helping us produce these episodes. Yolanda, Sir Bandersnatch, Samuel, Michael, Kylie, Jasmine, and Florian. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. And as always, fuck JK Rowling and the Turfs. Bye! Bye.